you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story, a podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have author Julie Kent, who recently published her first novel. She earned her master's degree in creative writing from the Southern New Hampshire University and has often found herself inspired by the works of Edgar Allan Poe and Stephen King. Her book is titled Blood Type and follows a young girl named Chloe Matson who moves into a new house full of secrets and a haunted typewriter. So welcome to the podcast, Julie. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Well, we're happy to have you here, um, mostly because you I, I got to work on Blood Type with you. Um, and yes. Yeah, and that was it was a really fun process. And I think when we first met, I even said this is my first horror novel yes um yeah so. so i was excited about that too to for you for to have your first horror novel and i didn't want to scare you away <laughs> no, <laughs> from doing more no it definitely <laughs> didn't scare me away and i was i was very interested in you know in doing that but um one of the questions i had for you was like why horror for you oh boy um well i have started i started reading stephen king when i was about 12 years old we won't talk about how old I am now, um, <laughs> but it's been many, many years, and he's really been my inspiration over a lot of years, and I've always been good at writing. I always wrote poetry when I was younger just to get some feelings out, um, and I decided I wanted to start writing bigger and better things, so I went to school for it, and that's what happened, and when I, when I went to school, when I started school and I started learning about the... the um, other authors that might, you know, that's where Edgar Allan Poe comes into my life. He, I learned about him when I was uh, over at Salisbury University, and I'm really inspired by him as well. A lot of my poetry faces on is based on his mind. <laughs> sure. And what what drew you what drew you to writing as a as an endeavor? Like, where how did you get to the point where you were in school learning about Edgar Allan? I will. I've always been good at just the basic grammar part of writing. Um, I've always been that geek in school, in high school, that everybody's like, can you look at my paper for me? So, you know, I've always been good at just that part of it. Um, and writing actually is a way for me now. It, it slowly became a way for me to get my feelings out of myself. I don't talk to a lot of people out loud. <laughs> so this is different. Um, but I, yeah, I write a lot of stuff down and that's where it all comes from and what motivated you to start to do to, to take up this is this is this your, your first attempt at a novel did you have other ones that you'd abandoned or no this is my first attempt at a novel um it was actually inspired by um when i was working toward my master's degree i had an instructor who put a challenge out to our class for everybody to um join um have you ever heard of nano remo it's yes, a, the yep, third yep, the, the novel well we did that um 10 of us signed up to try to write a novel which they, they required you to do fifty thousand words in 30 days which was not fun um but it was just about writing as many words down but not worrying about what you actually said in those words so i did that and i was the only one in the class that completed it got a big certificate and it was and that was the story that's 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 the story but I already had the idea in my head prior to that so I had an idea going into this which is probably why I'm the only one that finished that challenge and I just took it further and published it yeah and when you, you mentioned NaNoWriMo and just for people who might not be familiar that is National Novel Writing Month and it yeah. happens every November, November. 
and it's a huge movement. And I totally commend you because I will be honest with you, I have attempted Nano Remo three times and have failed it three times. So I mean, but, but you're right. The amount of effort that goes into saying I'm gonna write. I think that the I think the I think the sort of the goal point every day is two thousand words. It was I had it broken down into like fourteen eighty two or something like that yeah, every day. It's crazy the amount of the to think that I mean because you know writers we sit down and we want to put our best foot forward right and so and to think that I've got to put that many words best foot forward down every single day I mean that is it is a it's a marathon of the for a writer for sure yeah and I was working full-time too so I was getting up at 4 a.m doing my writing for NaNoWriMo going to work at 7 every day for 30 days um my husband wanted to strangle me because I was (laughs) (laughs) I was very cranky but um but yeah it was it was it was I think the hardest part of that challenge was to write without actually I'm one who I like to edit as I write mm-hmm. and you can't do that when you're doing a challenge like that. You don't have time to do that. They just want to see 50,000 words. They don't read it. They just want to see a, a story from beginning to end. And when you when when you approach this I wanted to talk about getting up at 4 a.m. because I'm 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 an early riser and after years converted Stephanie to be coming in early because yes. it's just for me, I find it so much easier to write. It's just the world is quiet. There's no one on social media to distract you. So even if you wanted to be distracted, it's really hard to get distracted. And so it's just you in the quiet and you can write or you can waste your time. But as long as you're up, you may as well write. And that's always been, I've been doing that for a while. And did, did you find that? Do you still find that you like to get up early and write? Or Because yes. also people write late, late at night. But that uh, that's just not possible for me. I've tried both. Um, I, I, I do write early in the morning um, as much as possible because you're right. It is the best time. Um, it is the quiet time. However, I do, <laughs> I do listen to loud, heavy metal music when I write. It mm. inspires me. <laughs> so right. it's not necessarily quiet for me, but it is the best time because the world is sleeping. Because I've, I've tried it the other way, too, going to work and then coming home and writing. Well, I'm on a computer all day at work. I don't want to. I'm too tired and not focused enough to write in the evenings so i the morning is the best time yeah and i and i and i think you had mentioned at one point that you listen to heavy metal music as inspiration which i think is kind of an interesting thing you know when we sit and talk to authors you know some people are like i cannot have any music i can't have anything going on other people will say you know i listen to x y kind of music i know when i'm writing a piece i'll listen to like there was a piece I was writing about ni- that would happen in the a murder that happened in the 1940s, and so I downloaded all this like Glenn Miller and Duke Ellington. I downloaded all these like <laughs> 1940s to kind of put me in the mood for that. But I guess heavy metal and horror, I guess I guess they go hand in hand. They do, and um, <laughs> and it's also something um I've learned about Stephen King along the way. He also does that, huh. listens to loud. You know, I don't know if it's loud, but he listens to you know some of the o- older rock and roll bands when he writes. So I'm not alone there. <laughs> it's 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 interesting. You'll notice in a lot of the Stephen King books, he'll he'll pull a um, he'll pull a quote from a song to to set up the chapter. Um, he'll have a he'll have a quote from whomever who, whoever he thinks goes best with the uh, with the with, with the yeah. chapter what about the music kind of inspires you like how do you how do you keep how do you keep on track while you have someone singing about what you're not writing about or is that not the point or is that it the point? it's not that's a tough question it's not really the point i guess um i actually turn the i turn the music on before i even set my writing stuff up mm-hmm. 
so I get myself in the mood to write. Because I'll say, okay, I'm going to write this morning. And you know there are times you just don't feel like writing and you, you have to make yourself do it. And I can't make myself do it if I don't have that music playing. And even though it's music that I know, I probably know every single word in the lyrics, I'm not, it's, I'm not paying attention to the words. It's just the music. So it's, yeah. it's almost like a, like a mood enhancing. Yes. There you go. I, yes, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and I just so I just wanted to kind of touch on blood type, um, and so one of the things that initially struck me when when I got the manuscript was we have a haunted typewriter, and as Julie will know, and, and Tony as well, like in my office, I think I have like six typewriters in my office because I, I, I love I them. Love and then, that. So here comes uh, you know Julie comes in with this manuscript about a haunted typewriter, and there's literally a typewriter behind my desk. And, you know, there, I, there were so many times I would just kind of like kind of kind of look over my shoulder and, you know, so would you tell me a little bit about, would you talk a little bit about your inspiration for the typewriter and for Chloe and for, for kind of how, how blood type kind of came to life for you? Absolutely. It's um, actually, it's kind of a cool story. Um, my sister bought the house next to me and when they moved in. Um, they were putting stuff into their new attic, which was completely empty, except they found this old typewriter in their attic. Um, so, um, my sister says, what the heck are we going to do with that? And I went, um, can I have it? So beat up. No, the ribbon was torn in half. I mean, you, it was not usable, but it was just so cool looking. So I, I, actually my husband brought it over because it was really heavy. Those typewriters are really heavy. Um, he brought it over, put it in um, one of the bedrooms in our house, and I just stared at it for days. And then this Nana Remo contest came up, and I'm like, I'm going to write about a haunted typewriter. That's where the inspiration came from. Just her finding this creepy old dusty typewriter in her house, um, and and I asked her if I could have it. Um, I wanted the one at your office as well. I didn't, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was eyeballing it when I was there. <laughs> But um, but and and the characters in my story, they they came after the fact when I started writing um, for the contest. I I my heart goes out to kids who are um, my 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 kids are teenage or my characters are teenagers, um, most of them, and my heart goes out to those that, that are bullied. Mm-hmm. So that's where Chloe came from. Chloe is a introverted. Um, you know, gothic girl, if you will call her that, um, you know, and she was picked on. And she's the one who found the typewriter, and it was hers. <laughs> and the typewriter, and, you know, it, it liked her. <laughs> it, didn't li- it didn't like anybody else. <laughs> I think about this often when, when we talk about kids and, and teenagers. When my, my grandmother always said, it always bothered her when people would say, I wish I could go back and be be a kid she's like they don't people don't really remember what it's like to be a kid they remember what it's like to not have to go to work but they don't remember how powerless you are yeah when you're a child and how you know and how like the plots of of lots of great Stephen King books but lots of books in general are uh, I was thinking we were talking the other day about a series of unfortunate events which is probably the best children's series ever written and the kids know what's going on and they can't get past the, the the parents or the, the the adults who are just locked into their lives and they're like well this is the way things should be so this is the way things are and the children are like but they don't have to be that way and you forget the frustration like how frustrated you are as a kid trying right. to get through 
when you have something that you know is important to say and not being able to say it. Absolutely. That's um, and that's yeah, and uh, and the other characters in my book. I mean, I I took I went from all spectrums. I had the I had the mean girls that existed every school, you know. I had the you know the 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 cute guy that existed every school, you know, and and there was Chloe, and I didn't have a lot of characters because I didn't want to confuse my readers or myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have to <laughs> have to go off in too many directions. Um, but yeah, that's that's my that that's where the characters came from but that's what always fascinates me though about genre writing is that there's kind of there's already a skeleton there for you if you what you have to come up with is a unique way to put the meat on the skeleton yeah 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 and, and i think that was one of the that kind of leads me to a question that we've asked other writers is you know how much of julie is in chloe and how much of chloe is in julie there's actually a lot of Julie and Chloe. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we find that sometimes. But you know, as I as I was reading it and editing and, and looking over that, you know, there were moments where I I, I could kind of see you in Chloe. You know, I could kind of see that yep. reflection. I um now I was never bullied. Um, you know, I was I was never unfortunate in that way. However, I I've, I saw some of it happen younger. Chloe's favorite band is my favorite band you know things like that like I, I I wanted to my first novel had to be written about things that I know about so I made it took place in Maryland it took place in I mean a fictional town that I made up of course but in Maryland um I wrote about bands that I knew about so you know and and Chloe dresses like I dress sometimes and it just you know so I wanted to not sound awkward when I was writing about this this um girl you know and how he she came about um because I really don't know anybody right who fits that and when you're thinking about um when you're thinking about how the book is going to go in this short period of time do you make mental notes about like I'll have to go back that like that's not going to fly, but I'll but it's going to fly for now and because I'm I'm another one I'll, I I finish I finish sections I mean I'll go back and edit but I'll I try to write pretty clean on the first on the first effort and you you don't get a chance to do that with the with the uh, with the November thing. I yeah, it it does sound ridiculous. It took me a long time <laughs> to be able to say that. Um, it yeah. <laughs> now I learned from this first book. Mm -hmm. Um, this the one I'm writing now is gonna is I'm learning from what I had to go through to do this one. The Nano Remo thing is actually is actually pretty funny because when I went back to edit that, mm -hmm. I looked at those words and I swore they did not come from me. Because it was just garbage on the, on the I mean, because because I was just typing quickly to get the the word count. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wanted fifty thousand words, and I had the story. I had the, I mean, it, but there was no flow. There was no. So when I went back to edit it, I added. I mean, so there's probably there's fifteen thousand more words almost in the in the story. Mm -hmm. You know, because I I added. I had to fill in some stuff that totally was blank, and right. um, you know, and. I, I find that in my experience, if I let anything sit for two days, I have to let it sit for at least two days to be able to successfully edit it. Because if I try to go back and edit it right away, I'm like, oh, no, this is fine. This is what I thought, and this is what I said. But if I if I let it cool down for two days, then I can come at it like it's someone else's work. And it doesn't look so familiar to me. So that's I, I understand when you say it doesn't 
it, you yeah. couldn't believe you had written. Yeah, I was just yeah. about to say the same thing. Like, so you, <clears throat> so NaNoWriMo is basically like you're writing in a fever dream almost. You, you are. Know? It's just you're just purging onto the page. And then I guess it was, it sounds like there was a moment where you just kind of set it and then you come back and you go, wow, I've really got to shape yeah. this up. Because you don't have time to edit it during that 30 day right. period. Exactly. You know? So you got to come back to it later. So, and it, and it also, I mean, how they do it. I mean, you say you, you tried to do it. They have this, this thing where you can put in your word counts for the day. I'm like, I'm going to hit it. I just wanted to hit these, these dots, these, mm-hmm. these goals for every day. And I didn't worry about that that sentence totally didn't make sense, right. <laughs> you know? Um, so. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting way to, I mean, I know a lot of, they teach that too, the, the, to just write it down and then, and then to go back and clean it up. But I always wonder, so now that you're doing your, you're working on your second book, you find it, you find that it's easier to not, because I feel, I'm, I'm worried that you would get too far afield when you're doing this, like, if you if you try to do the whole thing in 30 days and i'm not discouraging anyone from doing it i'm just i feel like the the amount of time you spend editing might negate the amount of time you save by writing it all down at once is that what you're finding in your second book yeah yeah i think so um it's you know it's it's a lot it's taking me a lot longer because i'm going through chapters and editing and you asked about um noting notations mm-hmm. i every time i write a chapter and i i do short chapters because i want to write books that people are can easily read and i like i like That's short chapters through. myself so yeah. you know so i write short chapters and after my chapters i note what i did in that chapter so that if i have if i wait a couple of days or say i can't get to it for a week sometimes you don't forget what you did, and I go back and I can make adjustments. But in NaNoWriMo, you didn't. I didn't have time to do that. Yeah, you were just mentioning the chapters, and that sprang a thought to my mind that um, one of the things that I that I liked about Blood Type was at the end of every chapter, you kind of left me hanging a little bit. Yep. And I was like, all right, well, I'll get to the end of this chapter, and then I'll go do X, Y, and Z, and then I get to the end of the chapter, and I'm like, well, but now I'm, now I'm on a hook, right? See, so- right. See, now, that's that's... I, I, told, I mentioned I always liked writing. Well, when I went to school, I learned how to write effectively. Um, and you want you have to do something that makes that person want to turn that page. Yeah. So even though my chapters are short, and you can say, okay, I'm going to read one chapter and then put the book down because I only have 20 minutes right now, you really can't do that with my book because it, it leaves you with, and then she saw it, something like that. And then you have to go further, you know. And Yeah, and that was I think that was one of the things that you did pretty well throughout, pretty consistently through the whole thing is that, you know, you gave us just these little bites, just these little hooks right at the end of a chapter. And, you know, and I, and I felt like that made it, it made the movement for the reader through the novel, I think, pretty seamless. And, and, and it sort of, I thought it was very effective in the way that it just kind of, it had a nice rhythm and a nice flow to it. And I think oh, that thank was you. A, yeah, I thought that was, a, like, that was really well done. Not everybody, I think, can, is able to do that. And it kind of made me wonder if that was almost like, in your mind being inspired by people like Stephen King, who's, you know, I mean, he's sort of the master at this, you know, and I, there yeah. were moments where I was like, I felt like these were like little sort of maybe tributes in some way, almost, you know, back to, to Stephen King or, you know, the, the greats of, you know, the horror genre. Yeah. And a lot of it goes toward um, poetry with Edgar Allan Poe. Um, a lot of his poetry were they're just based on lines not chapters and at the end of every line it's like you you need the next couple of words to have it make sense mm-hmm. so you have to drop down to the next line um so it's it's kind of the same concept 
And um, and so you're right, Stephen King does that a lot. I was wondering <clears throat> the distance between you doing this and then wanting to have it published, because I know a lot of people do it, and they're like, okay, I've succeeded in this, but the, the again, the effort to go back and edit it is is sometimes a little intimidating. So. How did you decide that it was worth going back and cleaning up and making it into a, a final publishable novel? Um, well, I did the NaNoWriMo thing in 2015. Um, and then I put that aside and did not look at it again because I was going to school for creative writing, which means that there's a lot of writing. So I didn't have time to do any you know, novel writing. So I made a promise to myself when I graduated with my master's, I was going to go open up that story and make it a novel. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. So I, I graduated in January of 2017, and I promised myself by the end of that year, I would have edited that book, found a publisher, which I did in Stephanie, and um, get it, you know, in a, a book format instead of on my computer screen. Right. And I, I did it by the end of the year. We had it out at the end of November, that yep. same year I graduated. So, I mean, it took that long to make that 30-day project mm -hmm. into what it is now. And so what, have you, what, what do you think the biggest lesson coming from this first novel publishing process was? What was, what was the thing that you took with you the most, do you think? As far as the publishing goes? About about the decision, about the publishing process, about the writing process. Um, well, I'm not really... I'm not really sure. I, I feel like, well, no. The, I feel like when I first did this, I was really anxious. And when I handed my manuscript to Stephanie, I feel like I, I should... I feel like I didn't... Um, proofread it as much as I should have mm -hmm. and um, I missed a lot of things so I'm being very careful in this second one um, you know as far as the actual story goes um, you know we're trying to keep track of things better because it's I was writing the first the first story I was right I was writing another scene and I would forget about something that happened two chapters ago and then I would make something else happen and never close what happened two chapters ago mm -hmm. So I've learned that's a big thing. So especially, um, especially in especially in your genre is holding on to all those threads because yes. you start them and you and as a reader when you're reading one of these books you're like okay is that going to be important and so once you once you ring the reader's bell you have to you have to be able to kind of put your hand on it and say okay right. that bell is done ringing now otherwise it's going to disturb them the entire time they're listening. right yeah the loose threads of it but I knew that when you came in you know, you had such an excitement and such an enthusiasm for this. And I think that when you say, you know, maybe you were anxious, but I also kind of interpreted that as, you know, uh, such, a, such, a, such a deep excitement for this and being able to bring this thing to life and, you know, having, you know, self-published my own book. I mean, I know exactly kind of what that moment is like. I know Tony's done two books that have been published traditionally, and I think it's even still true that, you know, we work on these things kind of in these very quiet spaces at four and five in the morning. And then all of a sudden when it's time to bring it into the light, you know, there is some anxiety for that. There is some excitement. There is all of these things at play. And, and so sometimes, you know, I think like even in my, when I did mine, I mean, the, 
you know, there were things that I definitely missed, um, you know, and that I know, you know, lessons learned moving into the second book that I'm working on. I mean, you know, when I picked up my, my book, there was a typo on the cover. Well, after it was all said and done, hmm. final copy, everything was said and done, and it was publishing out there, and I picked it up and I turned it over, and there was a typo on the back cover, and I was like, you are an idiot, you know? <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, there are these mistakes that we sort of work out, you know, the first time, and I don't think that it's a, a necessarily a negative thing. I think it's just it's just part of the learning process, but I think it sounds like, you know, yeah. you definitely have a sense of approaching your, your second novel now. It definitely sounds like you've got, like, a, okay, Got that one out. Yeah. Type is out. Got got kind of worked out all the kind of the nervousness of it, and it sounds like you're approaching your second novel, um, you know, with kind of like wiser eyes, I guess. Yeah. It's also, I mean, it was really scary. You were the first person to look at my. No one else read it, but you. I mean, I gave it. I handed my stuff to you, and no. I mean, yeah. So it was scary giving my words to somebody else to look at for the first time. We've, um, we, we've we've talked about that before because it seems like a billion years before anybody's like he's like will you read this and like yeah sure I'll read it and then you're like okay well I'm gonna be sick until you tell me that you like it or hate it I I don't care if you tell me you hate it but tell me something because and you know when you when you're giving it especially and and you know that's when I give it to, like to my wife or to one of my friends but when you when you're giving it to to a professional it must be it must be anxiety. It was scary because I know that I, even if I gave it to my mom and said, "Hey, can you read this and give me your opinion?" She'd be like, "This is amazing." And your you mom know, is super it's sweet, it's so my mom. Know. It's my mom. It could be horrible, and she would say that. You know, mm-hmm. so I knew that. You know. <laughs> yeah, but to think that something was scary for a horror writer, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I know that you had because this is this is out originally in uh, in April. I know that you had a recent signing at Barnes & Noble. What are some of the other ways you're promoting your book? What are some of the ways that you're trying to get your book out there in front of people? I I just flood social media. Mm-hmm. I have uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, and Instagram. Um, I don't have a real, I don't have a large following yet, but every day I get a few more followers, and every time I get one more like on that Facebook page, it's like, you know, it's it's the, the little things. You know, yeah. the, I get one more like, I'm like, yay, it's somebody I don't know. It's a new fan. <laughs> You know, it's and that's that's it. You know, and I, and I, I um, my book is on Amazon, so I of course take that 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 link and put it on all my you know my Facebook thing, and my mm-hmm. family and friends share it for me, so it gets out there. So and you were recently on Delmarva Life as well, and I went yeah, that was a very nice segment that that uh, that they were that they did on you as well. That was fun. Thank you. I was really nervous about that. <laughs> how, how did you arrange to have that happen? Did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them and say, hey, I'm a new author? I uh, Well, I, um, Lisa, who runs the uh, show. Lisa, yeah, Lisa Bryant? Lisa yeah, Bryant. She um, goes to our church, so I know her. Um, and I, she's one of my friends on Facebook. And one day she was just nonchalantly talking about something, trying to sell something to, on um on Facebook, and I just, I sent her a private message just as a joke, and I said, so if I buy this, will you have me on your show? <laughs> and that's what started that, you know, so I kind of put the seed there, right. and and um, she, yeah, she she reached out to me. It was, it took weeks, like she, we joked about it that night, but then I didn't hear anything, and so I thought it was not going to happen, and then weeks, um, maybe even a couple of months, Later, she reached out to me and said, you know, I think I do want you on my show. Um, and 
she had me on the show. It was it was scary but fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I and I actually follow you on Facebook and all that. And um, I remember there was one uh, picture that you posted, and it was blood type on the Barnes and Noble shelf. And I think it was on the same shelf as Stephen King there. And it was like I could tell that was a real moment of, of pride that you were like, here's my book right next to right next to this one. And well, that I was that was really a cool. That moment. was my major goal. My major goal in life. People have goals of you know life events. Mine was to be on the same shelf with Stephen King. Right. That was my major thing. That was on my bucket list. Right. <laughs> and um, when you know, and I know, in order to get shelf space for me, it's. I, my son knows the manager there so mm-hmm. she she reached out to me and said I'm thinking I want to put a few of your books on my shelf and I said okay yeah. <laughs> so uh, when we went in there they put them there I didn't put them next to Stephen King yeah, they were on they were there because it was alphabetically, alphabetically Kent King it was right there <laughs> it was it was funny because I went and Dean Koontz is another one I read right. sure. and my alphabetically my name was before the both of theirs mm. so I was up higher on the shelf than Stephen King and Dean Koontz so it was kind of a cool thing so when when we went out there I went out there to autograph those books and my husband, when I said, take that picture, please. <laughs> we, we have to, it's, it's only appropriate, I think, to shout out our local Barnes & Noble. I'm sure I, they must do it all over the country, but I know they do it here. There's a lot of support for, for local authors. They're, they're happy to put local authors on their shelves. So I think that that's, that's cool of them. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, they've been good to me. Ones too, like uh, Sundial Books and Chincoteague is very, very, very supportive of indie authors and local authors as well. Um, so, and I, and I can hook you up with them too, um, okay. down there. They're, they're, I don't know that you could find two people. It's Jane and John Richstein down at Sundial Books. Yeah, that's a beautiful Tink. place too. And they have a beautiful store and they could not be, uh, more accommodating and nicer to indie authors. They're just incredible people. So I'll link you up with them as well. Okay. They would, they would be good to, to hang out with. Or at least check thank out you. Their, awesome. Yeah, check out the bookstore for sure. All right, Stephanie. Well, now this is the part of the show where you thank the guests. Well, Julie, thank you so much for coming and being on the podcast and talking about blood type with us. No, thank you for having me. This is exciting. So What's Your Story was produced by Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at sowhatsyourstorypodcast.com where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Radio Public, and Stitcher Radio. And if you like it, then feel free to give us a good word.